Good morning, folks. It's morning. just a real joy to be back with you in new beginnings, and uh, I'm so grateful that I've got something to share with you this morning that has encouraged my own soul, and I hope and pray that it will encourage your souls as well. You might like to turn with me in your Bibles, and I hope you have your Bibles with you, to Mark's Gospel. We're going to read from verse 21 down to the end of the chapter. This is a well-known chapter, it's a well-known story. The heading in my Bible is a dead girl and a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see that it's the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She said, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. 
his blessing to the reading of his word, even though it's a very familiar passage, I think there are some things that maybe we could learn from it. And when it comes to understanding a Bible passage, it's always wise to step back and have a look at the context. We don't seem to be working the slide. Ah, there we go, thank you. The context is very important because if you stand back, you can catch a glimpse of the bigger picture. If you're right up close, you can maybe only see a little bit, but when you step back and it all fits together, it kind of sometimes makes more sense. So it's good to do that. And in order to step back from this passage, we've got to go to Mark 4, verse 35. And in the previous chapter, Mark 4, it just says, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. They'd been very busy. And so they sat out in the boat. And you will remember that Jesus was so tired that he went to sleep in the boat. But then the, a storm came and the disciples began to get so frightened they thought that they were in danger of losing their lives. So they woke up Jesus. They said, don't, don't you care that we're about to, to die? And the Lord responded. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? I wonder what he say to us sometimes. Why are you afraid? Well, the disciples were afraid because they thought they were going to drown. And then Jesus stood up and, and he, he said, peace be still. And it was. And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. How extraordinary that was. And Jesus went on to say to them, do you still have no faith? Now that's really important because I think that Jesus was teaching the disciples about the need for faith. And I think this passage is reminding us of the need for faith as well. Well, you'll remember what happened next. They set out uh, in the boat, uh, or rather they got to the, to the Gadarene and there they met the, the Gadarene demoniac. Uh, and he was a scary character in, inhabited by demons. And Jesus said to him, identify yourself. And the demon responded by saying, my name is Legion, because we are many. And uh, what happened then? Well, Jesus cast out the, the demon, and the demons begged Jesus, and they said, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. You see, they recognized instantly and immediately the authority that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus sent them into the pigs. And you remember what happened? The, the pigs, there were about 2,000 pigs, and they got all so excited that they ran down the hill and into the lake, and they all drowned. That was quite a sight to see. Well, what happened then? We're not working again. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Isn't that extraordinary? The people, they saw that their pockets were being hit, so they asked Jesus to leave. I think it's interesting to note that our Lord never stays where he's not wanted, so he left. And what a 
What an opportunity the people missed. One crowd sighed with relief as Jesus got into the boat and went back across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. One crowd sighed with relief, but another crowd was waiting to welcome him as he returned to Capernaum. Look at verse 21. Can we go on the slide? Yeah. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Now there were two people in the crowd who were especially anxious to see him. A man called Jairus, who was, he had a, a daughter who was dying and an unnamed woman who was suffering from a debilitating disease. She was just constantly hemorrhaging blood and she'd suffered from that for 12 long years. And verse 26 said she'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. It's interesting that Talmud tells us that there were 11 different cures for this particular condition. One of the cures involved uh, standing at a crossroads, holding uh, 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 some wine in your right hand, and then somebody coming up behind you and giving you a fright. <laughs> a little bit like the hiccups today. If you get the hiccups, somebody might give you a fright. Well, I don't think that worked for her. It wasn't very scientific. And there was another even more bizarre cure that was uh, su suggested. Uh, they had to uh, uh, take a little uh, piece of, of barley corn that a donkey had eaten, uh, a female donkey and a white donkey, and once that little piece of corn had passed through the system, it was to be retrieved and carried around, and that was supposed to be a cure for this woman's condition. Well, as you can imagine, it, it, it didn't work for her at all. So this poor woman had spent all she had on seeking a cure for her condition, but she didn't find a cure and she was broke. She was cut off from her home, from her uh, society, uh, from the synagogue, because she was considered to be unclean. And the people believed in those days, uh, if somebody was unclean, their very uncleanness could infect others and make other people unclean. How wonderful, it didn't work that way with Jesus. When Jesus touched people, his goodness dispersed and dispelled their uncleanness. Well, if this woman had been married and we don't know, her husband wouldn't have had anything to do with her. She'd have been chucked out. And because she was unclean, she was almost invisible. People would turn and look the other way because they, they didn't want to look on uncleanness in case it impacted them. So surely this woman was desperate, marginalized by everybody, a lady to be avoided. On the other hand, Jairus was a prominent man, one of the synagogue rulers. He was a man of affluence and influence, but he had a great need. He had a little daughter and she, was only 12 years old. And Luke tells us 
that she was his only daughter, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. She had been the joy of his life. She was 12 years of age. We don't know if he had any other children, we're not told. But she was dying and this man was absolutely desperate. It wasn't easy for Jairus to come publicly and ask Jesus for help. The religious leaders who were opposed to Jesus would certainly not approve, nor would the other synagogue leaders. The things that Jesus had done and taught in the synagogues had aroused anger amongst the scribes and the Pharisees, some of whom were probably friends of this man Jairus. But Jairus was desperate, as many people are when they come to Jesus. He would rather lose his friends and save his beloved daughter. So here we see two desperate representations of society. One rich, the other poor. One accepted, the other an outcast. One part of a family, the other one totally alone, but both were beyond natural help. For 12 years, the girl and the woman had led such different lives, but adversity had bound their souls unaware together, and they were both to be recipients of God's life-giving power. And these stories tell us how God brings faith into the lives of those he touches and how he causes that faith to grow. These stories united around three encounters, not two, but three encounters, can help our faith grow that we might know more of God's power. So let's just go through this and see what we can learn. Let's first of all think about Jesus and Jairus. It says in verse 22, 24, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now the crowd must have been absolutely amazed to see Jairus approach Jesus. After all, Jesus was an outsider who had been accused of teaching heresy by the scribes and the Pharisees. And yet here was this religious leader not only coming to Jesus but actually bowing down before him in humility, pleading for help for his dying daughter. Now, please understand that Jairus hadn't suddenly become a follower of Jesus, or nor had he suddenly developed faith in Jesus. No, Jairus came because he was simply desperate. He'd likely heard people talk about the miracles that Jesus had performed. Maybe he'd even witnessed one. Perhaps he'd chatted to some who had been healed. He wasn't sure about Jesus. But as far as he was concerned, Jesus represented a glimmer of hope. And that glimmer of hope made him want to go to meet with Jesus. Jairus was like so many of us in our coming to Christ. 
It wasn't his love for Christ that brought him. It was not what he could do for Christ. It was his need. It was his desperation. It was the fact that Christ represented a glimmer of hope. Despair is commonly the prelude to grace. Jairus's infant faith was going to bring great rewards, especially as we see Christ develop in the as the, event, the events unfolded. And Mark records that Jesus immediately set out with Jairus. There was no hesitation. And it says there, a large, not working again, a large crowd followed him and pressed around him. It must have been excruciating for Jairus as he and Jesus were slowed down, a little bit like an ambulance with its flashing lights and siren going and it's stuck in a traffic jam. Maybe you've seen that, how frustrating it must be for those medics who are trying to, to help somebody who is ill. Well, the, the crowd weren't aware perhaps of all of the details. It was just that nobody wanted to miss a thing and then to Jairus' dismay, everything comes to a sudden halt because Jesus suddenly stops. It's hard for us to understand what it was like for this woman. She could have used any one of a number of excuses to convince herself to stay away from Jesus. She could have thought, well, I'm not important. She could have thought, if I get anywhere near him and get into the crowd because I'm unclean, if they find out about me, I could physically be in danger. They could stone me. I, I, I could be in terrible trouble. She could have said to herself, well, it's absolutely, there's no point. My situation is hopeless. I've spent all my money for 12 young, long years. I've been looking for a cure. But you know, wonder of wonder, she laid aside all her excuses and she came to Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I find it interesting that this woman did her best to avoid attracting attention. She came up to Jesus behind him. And like many in her day, she believed that by just touching the, the garment of a holy person, well, that could bring healing. And so she reached out her hand to touch the edge of his cloak. Some Bibles talk about the hem of the cloak. And if it was the hem, then she had to get down to kneel down, to, to bend down to get there. But the Greek just says it was the edge of his cloak. So it could have been one of the tassels. We don't really know. But when she touched his cloak, something happened. And she felt God's healing power surge through her. And I wonder, was it like an electric shock? We don't know, we're not told. But in that instant, the healing power went out from Christ through her body, and in an instant she was healed, and she knew it. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. In that instant, she'd been healed, and she knew it. How wonderful. Well, what happened then? Well, look at verse 30 and 32. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He, he stood still waiting. And the disciples responded, and you get this in Luke. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, there are lots of people who are touching you, Lord. Poor Jairus, he must have been so agitated by this delay. And imagine the woman's heart pounding with fear and with joy in that moment. And yet Jesus stopped and he stood he said, who touched me? Now, the question I want to ask you this morning is, why do you think Jesus did that? Why didn't Jesus just let the woman slip away? Well, I think Jesus did that for a number of reasons, and I'm going to outline a number of reasons to you. You see, Jesus wanted to teach them some lessons. He wanted to teach the woman some lessons. He wanted Jairus to learn. He wanted the crowd to learn. And I think he wants us to learn too. So let's just think about the lesson. This woman's faith was in truth ignorant. It was uninformed. It was superstitious. But it was real. And Jesus honoured it. She didn't know a great deal. And I have to tell you, I find that wonderfully encouraging. Because that means we don't have to know a great deal. We don't have to have it all figured out to, to possess a faith that pleases God. I don't even know what all the questions are, whatever about all the answers. But I just know that a little faith is enough to please God. This woman's faith was selfish. She wanted to be healed. She, she, she didn't have any wishes that we know of concerning Jesus. She just wanted to be healed. But Jesus wanted to be more to her than just her friend and her healer. I think Jesus wanted to be her savior. And there's a little technical detail that's interesting. Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. And he uses the word sozo, which in the Greek means is sometimes translated saved as opposed to healed. Your faith has healed you, or your faith has saved you. I wonder, is there a, a double entendre there, just uh, for us to really know that uh, he wants not only to heal us physically, but there's a deeper healing that is of eternal significance wrapped up here. And then there's a, a, a vital lesson for us. Verses 30-31, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples are, and yet you can ask, who touched, who touched me? Well, I think there's a vital lesson for us here, because if you picture the scene, there, there were a large crowd, there were dozens, hundreds of people maybe around Jesus, some of whom were rubbing shoulders with him. But only one person reached out with a finger of faith. His power went out, not to the crowd, but just to one person. And that just reminds me that it's possible for us to come to church, to be in the crowd that surrounds Jesus, to rub shoulders with him as it were, and yet not reach out with a finger of faith. 
and thus not experience something of his power touching our hearts. It's possible for us to remain completely untouched and unimpacted. And I wonder about the number of times I've come to church where I've sat in the crowd and gone out just exactly the same as I came in. I think there's a vital lesson for us here, for all of us, about reaching out with the finger of faith and touching Jesus. The next lesson is that Jesus taught her. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's interesting that he speaks to her so tenderly. This is the only time that Jesus calls a woman daughter in the Gospels. How tender, how tenderly he speaks. Now we note too that it was her faith that healed her. It wasn't anything else. It was her faith. How important faith is. It may have been a small faith, an ignorant faith, and a weak faith, but Jesus honored it. You see, this woman represents humanity, all of us. We're all ill. We have maybe spent our resources trying remedies which don't work. We struggle with a sense of guilt, within. But Christ comes to us from the cross and we need to touch him by faith. Don't fear that he will not respond. Don't fear that you're too ignorant. You don't know enough about it. Don't fear that you're too selfish. Fear only one thing, that you will let him pass without reaching out in faith to him. That's something to fear. Even the strongest of us is only ever one heartbeat away from eternity. Jairus had not forgotten his daughter, but he'd been elevated by Christ. His fledgling faith had been informed by what he'd seen. And though he cannot have processed very much of it, his faith and his hope for his daughter had risen through the witnessing of this miracle and now he just wanted to get going. He just wanted to get Jesus to his daughter so Jesus could do the same for his daughter. But then came a, a dreadful shock, a dreadful shock. And Jesus wanted to teach Jairus. Look at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? There's no point. It's, it's useless. It's too late. No help. And in that moment, whatever faith that Jairus had that had been built up by seeing this woman, the miracle in, in her body, surely that faith just drained away. And so Jesus taught Jairus, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. You see, Jairus had come to Jesus with a kind of a, a, a wishful belief that Jesus could maybe, possibly, heal his daughter. And the miracle he just witnessed had strengthened that faith. 
But now Jesus challenged him to believe in his resurrection. You see, that was a whole lot more complicated and difficult than just healing a girl who was sick. He'd seen Jesus heal the woman, but now his daughter was dead. And to believe in a resurrection, to, to, for the child to come back to life, well, that was asking for an awful lot. But Jesus said to him, don't be afraid, just believe. I wonder, would he say that to some of us this morning? So those are the first two encounters, Jesus and Jairus, and then Jesus and the woman. And that brings us to the third encounter, which is Jesus and the child. Jesus set out with Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, to the home of, of Jairus. And look at verse 38 to 40, when they came to the house, to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Well, in those days, they had professional mourners, people who would go along and, and they, would, they would howl and they would scream and they would cry and they would shout. Uh, that, was, that was what they did. And, and, and these folks were almost certainly the people who were howling outside the house. They were the professional mourners. And when Jesus said to them, listen, the child is not dead, but asleep, they laughed at him. They laughed at him. That's what unbelief does. It laughs at God's word. It laughs at God's word. But Jesus put them out. He put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. While unbelief laughs at God's word, faith grabs hold of it and experiences the very power of God. Now you probably know from reading through Leviticus that the law required that there be two witnesses for, for, for anything. If something needed to be witnesses, there needed to be two. But here we find there were five witnesses, Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, uh, and, and himself, of course. There were, there were five witnesses. And can you imagine what it was like to go into that room and to see this little girl laid out on the bed? Can you imagine the cold ears of the little girl suddenly hearing the words of Jesus? You see, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately she did. She got up. Immediately she got up. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. How caring of the Lord Jesus Christ. This little girl had been ill for some time. And she almost certainly needed something to eat. And they, the others were just so amazed that they, they couldn't, couldn't think straight. But Jesus said, give her something to eat because she needed something to eat. How wonderfully kind the Lord Jesus was. How wonderful that Jesus helped all different kinds of people. And do you know, 
he still does help all sorts of different kinds of people. What is the Christ like who gives life? Well, he's all powerful, isn't he? He's the one who calmed the raging sea. When I started ministering in Suffolk in East Anglia, one of the things we used to do was to have tent missions. And I can remember one evening, we were having a tent mission meeting, I think it was in the village of Worthingworth, which wasn't too far away. We sat up a marquee the day before. And on the Sunday afternoon, I had a phone call from one of the farmers, because we were a farming community. There was a big storm blowing and he said, the power is out. And I said, can we get a generator? He said, sure, I'll bring one down because we had an organ. We wanted to plug it in and the PA system as well. So I got down and, uh, and there was a storm blowing. The, the, the wind was ferocious. All the tent pegs at the bottom of the marquee had been whipped out and the, the, the sides were flapping. And the lady sitting at the organ, she had two young people holding the music so, so it wouldn't blow away. Behind the pulpit, there was a big red uh, cloth hung down to give it a nice background. And that had blown so much in the wind that it ripped in two. It was torn. And I was reading the word and I was just about to preach. And I thought, I, I, I can't because people can't really hear with this racket going on. So I led in prayer and I said, Father, many years ago, Jesus stood up in the bow of a boat and he said, peace be still, and it was. Lord, would you say it again, please? And you know, at that, the wind went and stopped. It was extraordinary to preach the gospel to people, to tell them about the power of God, the God whose power had just been displayed in that remarkable answer to prayer. What is the Christ like who gives like, all powerful? Powerful enough to calm the raging sea? Powerful enough to cast out the demons with a word? The demons instantly obey Jesus. It's only people who don't. The demons instantly obey. Powerful enough to heal a woman without a word. Powerful enough to raise a child back to life. He's understanding, loving, gentle, and inviting. And the three lives that encountered Jesus were never the same again. We're not told, but I can imagine that Jairus and his family followed Jesus. Don't you think so? And that woman whose life was 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 turned around completely. Don't you think she followed Jesus? I do. What about us? What about us? Have we come to church and are we just sitting here never having reached out to touch him? And are we going to wander away unchanged, unimpacted, by the loveliness and beauty of the one who came to die on a cross that our sins might be forgiven so that we would never have to face a judgment of condemnation but rather a judgment of commendation. What a wonderful 
privilege it is to reach out and to touch Jesus. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being able to look at your word. We thank you so much, Father, for the way in which, in your mercy and kindness, you brought tremendous change to those three lives. And we pray, Father, that you would help us so that we might not just be part of the crowd of onlookers who may occasionally rub shoulders with the Lord Jesus. Would you help us, Father, in your mercy, to reach out with a finger of faith that we might touch the Lord Jesus and in touching him, that his power might come changing us, giving us life, making us your own. And if we know you, O oh Lord, we pray that those words don't be afraid, that those words would comfort us and fill our hearts with courage even this morning. We ask these things in the beautiful and precious name of the Lord Jesus.